Welcome, and thanks for tuning in to the Restoration Foursquare Church audio podcast. We're glad that you're joining us today. Stay tuned for today's message. Enjoy, and God bless. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger just like everyone else. But God, everyone say, but God. But God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. God saved you by his grace. When you believed, God saved you by His grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this because it is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Let us pray. Father, we thank you and bless you for the reading of your word. Now, Holy Spirit, come and anoint this time. Anoint me, sir, as I speak the words of the living God today. Lord, give us ears to hear. Give your people ears to hear what the Spirit of the Lord has to say. God, may we push aside and push away any noise and, and any, any, any uh, um, distraction that may try to hinder us from hearing from heaven. May our hearts be open and our minds be receptive to receive the fullness of your word. Spirit of the living God, speak to the people of God right now. Bless the people of God right now. Have your way, sir, as I share your word this morning. I pray that man is not seen, but that the word of God is heard. Hide me behind your anointing and bless your people. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Mario. The journey of a Jesus follower is our focus throughout this series. And the the message that I'm going to speak to you today is entitled, too good to be true. Too good to be true. How many of you have had those moments in life that made you go, man, that's just too good to be true? I think we all have. When you think about the goodness of God, When you look at the life we now have in Jesus, the fact that God has made us alive in Christ really is almost too good to be true. When I think about 
what my life used to be like and what my life is like now. It really is too good to be true. But it's true. It's true. The life we have in Christ is true. It is true because the God we serve is a good God. It is true because the life we now have in Christ is filled with the grace and mercies of God. Every time you step out of bed, you step into a brand new day that God has created. And how you meet that day is up to you. It's really up to you. If your life is in Christ and your trust is in God, you will meet that day with faith and hope. But if you do not know Jesus or you do not know how to trust in God, you will enter into your day with doubt and skepticism. Limitations 3, verses 22 and 23 says that the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. God's love is steadfast, and God's love never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. Listen, you cannot exhaust the mercies of God. His mercies never come to an end. But they are new every morning. Great. Let's say it to the Lord. Great is your faithfulness. Let's say it again. Great is your faithfulness. The faithfulness of God is great. He is a faithful God and his love has no end. But please hear me. His steadfast love is given to us not because we've earned it. God's steadfast love is given not because we deserve it, but we live in the goodness of God because of his grace. It is by his grace and his grace alone. Last week, I preached on the Holy Spirit being the GPS of the believer. As the Holy Spirit is the GPS of a Jesus follower, grace is the fuel Needed for the journey. That is what Paul is talking about here in Ephesians 2. The importance of us understanding, receiving, and living by the grace of God. It is the fuel you need. When you get out of bed every day, you can step into God's grace. You can step into God's mercy. You can find the energy. You can find the insight. You can find the wisdom. You can find the direction for your life when you understand that it's by God's grace and God's grace alone. About a year ago, I was struggling with something, trying to figure out how to, to do something, how to fix a problem. After doing all I knew to do, And having little to no success, the Lord finally spoke to me about my situation. This is what he said. Son, I love it when he calls me son. That means I'm in relationship with him. Amen. He didn't say boy. (laughs) 
Huh? He didn't say man. He said son. Son, return to the place of trusting in my grace again. Those words reminded me of just how far I had fallen. Now, I'm not talking about falling as some may think. Because this was not a sin issue. As most would identify sin that I was struggling with. Yet it was just as much sin as if I committed a transgression of the flesh because I was relying on myself to fix my problem instead of relying on God. I thought I was smart enough. I thought I was wise enough. I thought I knew enough. I thought I had enough talent to take care of the problem myself. Those gentle, peaceful words from my heavenly father, son, Return to the place of trusting in my grace again reminded me that I was trusting in myself more than I was trusting in my God. That, my friend, is sin in the eyes of the Lord. Because God would have no other God before him, not even you. Not even you. When I place my trust in God's grace again, my situation changed. Now listen, it did not change because God changed the situation. But it changed because God gave me directions and instructions on how to handle it, on how to manage it better. God's grace comes to us in so many ways. And when we come to the place where we trust in God and we trust in his grace, when we look to God to, to give us the help in the, and, and, and give us answers to life situations, that is when we place ourselves under the umbrella of God's grace. God sent Jesus to redeem us. He sent Jesus to show us what grace looks like. As you journey through life as a Jesus follower, learn to rely upon God's grace just as Jesus did when he was here on earth. God's grace is the fuel needed for all you do. Listen to what Paul said about God's grace in Ephesians 3, 7 and 8. He said, I became a minister according to the grace of God given to me by the effective working of his power. To me, who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. This is the Apostle Paul, the man who wrote most of the New Testament, the man who planted most of the churches that we read about, in the book of Acts, he said, I can only do what I do by God's grace. By God's grace. In all that you do, learn to depend on the grace of God. Jesus depended on it and lived by it. The Apostle Paul 
depended on it and lived by it. And so should we. By his grace, God saved us. By his grace, he sealed us. By his grace, he's filled us with the Holy Spirit. By his grace, he gives wisdom, knowledge, and the understanding that we need in life. Without the grace of God, we're no better off than any other people who practices a religion. You got to get this. Without the grace of God, we're no better off than any other people who practices a religion. But because of God's grace, our walk with him is not one of religion, but it is one of relationship. When God sent Jesus into the world as an act, the supreme act of his grace, Jesus made a way for us to be put back in right relationship with our heavenly father. That is what makes us different from any other religion out there. We do not practice religion. We walk in relationship with God through the person Jesus Christ. Therefore, what we are or who we are and what we do is not defined by works or by acts. It is defined by relationship. But out of that relationship that we have with Jesus, we do the works of God. Paul said what I do, the works that I do. I do only by the grace of God. God's grace has set us apart. Pastor Jack Hayford writes this. He said, God has given us spiritual responsibility. Do we have that word to put up on the... There should be a word I gave them to put up. Can you not find it? I want you to see it. Spiritual responsibility no okay this is the way it's spelled if you want to if you're writing down write this down r e spiritual r e s p o n s e hyphen a b i l i t y spiritual Response ability. Spiritual response ability. What does that mean? That means that we are spiritual beings who have the ability. To respond to God's grace. Or we have the ability to not respond to God's grace. Spiritual responsibility. God made us to be responsible. We're able to respond to him. We're able to respond to his grace. 
were able to respond to his love. Listen, we do not live in a vacuum separated from our God. We do not serve a God who's just sitting in heaven waiting on us to die so he can judge us. No, we do. We serve a God who's actively involved in our lives and we have the freedom and the ability to respond to his activities, to respond to his grace. Man is a different sort of being. We've been endowed with the freedom and the ability to fellowship with God. We have the ability and the right to participate with God in life. And we can choose to fellowship or not fellowship. We can choose to participate with him in life or not participate. Those who make the choice to not fellowship with God and and live, they live outside of the umbrella of his grace. We can choose to trust in the grace of God or not. We can choose to respond to his call or not. Adam and Eve, after they had sinned, could have responded to God following their disobedience. But instead of responding to the call of God, Adam, where art thou? They tried to hide from him. What do you do when God calls out your name? We cannot hide ourselves. Neither can we hide our sins from God. But listen, he doesn't want us to. He doesn't expect us to. God wants us to run to him. Even in our sin, he wants us to run to him because he's waiting for us to respond to his call, to respond to his grace. God knows that sin severs our relationship with him. He knows that sin confuses and it it distorts our humanity. Sin obstructs the ongoing development of our identity in Christ. Let me say that again. Sin obstructs the ongoing development of your identity in Christ. Sin obstructs the ongoing development of your identity in Christ. God does not want that. He does not want us to live outside of fellowship with him. So out of grace and compassion, He sent Jesus to destroy the power of sin over our lives. As born-again, blood-bought children of God, sin is no longer our master. When we accepted Jesus and, and, and his vicarious act of obedience at Calvary, God's grace was poured out on us, and the true order of our identity was restored. People who do not know Jesus, people who have not been saved, who have not given their life to the Lord, listen, they are not living the true order of their identity. Make sure there's no children in the room. Well, maybe I shouldn't say what I want to say. Listen, 
It is in the crucified humanity of Jesus that we discover the true depth of God's grace. Christ came to authenticate humanity. He came to establish our full communion with God. This was all done for us because God is a God of grace. We have been made children of God because of this amazing grace, a grace that is too good to be true. The life we now have in Jesus can seem like it's just too good to be true. Well, pinch yourselves. Wake up from your slumber because it is both good and true. Ephesians 1, verses 1 and 2 says, Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. You used to live in sin just like the rest of the world. How did you live? Obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world, the spirit that is at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God at one time was at work in our heart. What changed that for us? What changed that for you? It was the grace of God. By nature, our human condition is dead, enslaved, and condemned. But grace made a way for us. We who were once dead is now alive in Christ. Because of God's grace, we've been redeemed from sin. How many of you remember what your life was like before Jesus came into it? How many of you remember what life was like? I do. I do. You remember all the things you tried, you did to try to find happiness and joy? You remember that? Huh? You remember that? You remember it didn't matter what sin you, you had just committed, you, you'd already, you, you automatically think about the next sin? Why? Because you was trying to satisfy your flesh. And you was living under the edict of the God of this world. I remember. I think now and I thank God. Sometimes life is too good to be true. I don't have to live that way anymore. I don't have to live in darkness no more. I'm not afraid of what my tomorrow's hold. I'm not afraid of what awaits me anymore because my life is now hidden in Christ. Because of the grace of God. Do you remember what it was like before Jesus came? You lived in sin because you both had to and you wanted to. 
You had to sin because your life was under the, under the rulership of the devil, the author of sin. And you wanted to sin because your flesh desired what sin could bring. As a child of the flesh and not of the spirit, your desire was to please your, your flesh. But thanks be to God, he loved you too much to leave you that way. He extended to you his love through his son, Jesus. And when Jesus entered your life, so did the grace of God. When Jesus entered your life, so did the endowment of God's power to overcome sin. When Jesus entered your life, so did the endowment of God's presence to overcome a lukewarm Christianity. Are you living by the power of God given to you by way of grace? Do you know that when Jesus became your Lord, he kicked out your old master? The master you once had is no longer your master. The devil is not your master anymore. You have a new master. His name is Jesus. Stop letting the devil bully you around. He's nothing but a big old bully whom Jesus has already defeated. You've got to learn how to live under the umbrella of God's grace. Jesus removed any and all rights the devil has to you. And heaven's power became your power. <laughs> oh my God, you don't believe that. Heaven's power became your power. You don't have to live according to the ways of this world anymore. Before Christ came, you was dead because of disobedience to God. Before Christ came, you was dead because of your many sins. You lived in sin like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the one who commands the power of the darkness. We all live that way, following the desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. But Paul writes in Ephesians 1 verse 4, but God is rich in mercy. Hallelujah. He's rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. Never forget the power of the cross or the power of the resurrection. Do not let the God of this world, the father of lies, Satan, old Sufoot, the devil, whatever name you use for him, do not let him convince you that you have to earn your salvation. Because salvation cannot be earned, only accepted. It is God's gift of grace to you. It is only by God's grace, his undeserved kindness, that you have been saved. You didn't earn it. You simply believed. You believed, you received, and you became a son or a daughter of God. It is only by God's grace that the Holy Spirit is present 
and actively operating in your life. You see, grace is a force as well as a favor. <laughs> grace is a force as well as a favor. It is a verb as well as a noun. John 1.16 says, From his abundance we have all received one gracious blessing after another. God's grace given at Calvary continues to flow to us as we look to the one who gives grace upon grace upon grace. And every gracious blessing we receive comes to us out of God's abundance. And from this, we learn that grace is more than God's disposition towards us and it is more than God's impersonal favor towards us, but grace is also God's outpouring upon us. It is him meeting us at our greatest point of need in the very person of Jesus. It is his power, his provisions at work for us and in us. And please hear me. There is not one area of your being, one area of your life, that cannot, should not, and perhaps has not been touched by the grace of God. Many times God's grace is present and we don't even know it. Many times his grace protects us and we fail to acknowledge it. The very breath in your lungs is given by God's grace. The basis of life that every man enjoys is given by God's grace. Peace of heart is a product of God's grace. Hope for life's journey it's the product of God's grace. Do you need peace today? Do you need hope today? Do you need joy today? All of those things are available to you by way of the grace of God. The power over sin is the product of God's grace. The power to trample on serpents and scorpions is the product of God's grace. Grace is God's fuel for your journey. And only by God's grace have we been saved. It was God's grace that raised us from the dead and seated us with Christ in heavenly places. We have been united with Christ, seated with Christ in heaven at the right hand of God. You may be here on earth, but positionally, in the spirit realm, you're seated with Christ at the right hand of God Almighty. It's time we start acting like heavenly beings. It's time we start living like heavenly beings and stop living like children of the earth, children of this world, because we're not. You've been seated with Christ in heaven already. You're already there. Your flesh just trying to catch up. We've been united with Christ in his resurrection. We've been united with Christ in his ascension. And we are united with Christ in his present rule at God's right hand. And from this place of unity, we share in the present works of God's kingdom power. Paul said in Ephesians 1 verse 7, so God, because of his grace, because of the dispensation of grace that we live under, 
This is what God's going to do. You got to get this. God is going to point to us. You got to get this. In all future ages, as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us, as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ. Now, I must pause for a moment and make sure you don't miss what Paul wrote here. He said in ages to come. Say it with me. Not generations. See, we think in terms of generations. All we know is now. But according to what Paul wrote, there are ages yet to be discovered and lived out. Not generations. You got to get this. We don't know what those ages are going to consist of. We don't know what those ages are going to be like. We do know this. We do know that Paul said in those ages, God's going to look back and say, look at what I did in the church and for the church, and you'll understand my grace. You got to get that. You got to get the magnitude, the greatness of the grace of God that we live under. We are God's shining example of his love and grace. And I dare say, according to what Paul wrote, there will never be another age like this age that will experience the grace of God like we experience it. In ages to come, he says, so in God, in all future ages, it's going to point to us as examples of his incredible wealth of grace and kindness. Not only is this too good to be true, but it's also hard to comprehend. It's hard to comprehend that Paul is not talking about future generations but he's talking about future ages. God's going to point back to the church and say, you want to understand my grace? You want to understand the depth of my love? Look at the church. Look at what I did for them. I gave my best. I gave my only son. Never again will God offer his only son for a people. Never again. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. 
God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. Grace is God's voluntary and loving favor given to those he saves. We cannot earn our salvation, nor do we deserve it. No religious, intellectual, or moral effort on our part can be used to gain it because it comes only from God by way of grace. And without God's grace, no person could ever be saved. To receive that grace, we simply acknowledge that we cannot save ourselves. Only God can do that. And the only way we can receive this love and favor is through faith in Jesus Christ. Have you trusted in Jesus? I mean, really trusted in him as your Savior. I'm not saying have you grown up in church. I'm not saying that your mama and your daddy know Jesus. Do you know the man? If you do not know the man, you have not received God's grace into your life. The only way to gain access to the abundance of God's grace is through Jesus. Money can't buy it and good works can't earn it. We do not work for our salvation, but we work and serve God because we have been saved. Do you know the man? If not, you have no idea just how good God is. Give your heart to him and you too will be able to say, this is too good to be true. Paul concludes our scripture today in verse 10 by saying, for we are God's masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. The genius of God's grace is the new creation of each believer that renovates our nature. That's the genius of his grace. That when we receive his grace into our lives, he comes and he renovates us and he, we become new creations and new creatures in Christ. By grace, we've been made over into redeemed children of God, thus making good things a living possibility in the life of a believer. Is it too good to be true? Perhaps. But take a look around this room. Just take a look around this room. Just go look around this room. I want you to look and see. This room is filled with people who know that it's true. Amen? It might be good, but we know that it's true. Amen?
And that concludes today's message. Thanks again for tuning in to the Restoration Foursquare Church audio podcast. We hope that you have been encouraged and empowered from this message. If you would like to learn more about our church, please visit our website by going to r4sq.org. We pray you have a great week. God bless.